Welcome, everybody, to the Joe Random Sports Podcast, the famous name from MLB The Show Career Mode started a group of fantasy leagues years ago. And today, we gather with longtime Joe Random, Stephen Thayer, and Matt Ramirez to talk all things sports with other Joe Randoms. We hope you enjoy, and remember, just keep swishing, and don't strike out. All right, welcome everybody to the Joe Random Sports Podcast with Stephen Thayer and Matt Ramirez here. Maybe a special guest towards the end of the show. Looking forward to speaking with Mark, the auditor, Nathlich, another resident 49ers fan. Be interested to get his take on the state of affairs. Uh, but uh, first things first, as always, follow us, like us, share us, Spotify, Apple Podcast at the Joe Random Sports Podcast. And, of course, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Joe Randoms SN. We appreciate your support, as always. So here we are towards the middle of the week after the debacle on Monday night. 49ers falling to the Vikings 22-17. we got a lot to talk about today, Matt. Uh, of course, a lot of 49ers talk, a lot of general NFL talk. You know, it's not early anymore. We're seven weeks in, pretty much eight weeks in now. Trade deadline approaching. There's, there's a lot to discuss. On a happier note, basketball is back in session. Yes, it is. Warriors Warriors are back. Uh, NBA is back. Um, it's, it's weird seeing some uh, unfamiliar faces on familiar teams, but it's fun. Uh, probably the best best time of year for sports. You got... NBA starting up, NFL in full swing, um, and obviously the World Series and MLB playoffs. So hockey too. So it's a good good time to be a sports fan. I love October for that reason. I think it goes October number one and April number two for best sports months out of the year. You made a comment the other day in our text uh, that uh, Mike Conley is like the the Applebee's of of point guards or something like that. It yeah. just yeah, yeah. It, it made me think that we need to do a podcast on equating point guards to a chain restaurant. Cause, cause you know, they used to do that with the football quarterbacks with fast food restaurants. I yep. think we should do it with point guards. Yeah, we can do that with just about anything. I feel like it's, uh, it's fun. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, comparisons to make between food sports, you know, I think we, we always have some good healthy debates on food and bringing it all f- full circle is, uh, is always a good time. <laughs> I don't know about healthy. I mean, the last one was our fruit snacks candy. Please weigh in on that guys. If you're listening, if you have any questions about that, we had a heated debate about our fruit snacks candy. And of course I was saying, well, yeah, they are. And Matt was saying, no, they're not actually classified as candy by the FDA. So they're not. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you on our on our social about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're Halloween coming up, candy season, th- tell us what you think about that one uh, on any of the socials. Get a hold of us. Um, I will say this: fruit snacks are a much better thing to get in on Halloween in your uh, little goodie bag than it would be for like fruit or uh, real vegetables or like you know healthy stuff. So or you, you take what you can get for that yeah, matter almond joys don't get me started but um <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a good good time to be a dentist with halloween coming up <laughs> nice matt all right let's uh let's hop into some nfl talk here 
So I guess open it up, Matt, with where is your panic level at with the 49ers? I think for this upcoming week, it's very high um, going against Cincinnati. You got looking like no Brock Purdy, looking like it's going to be the Sam Darnold show. Um, I don't know what Trent Williams' status is. Debo's probably out. I'm trying to think. Greenlaw got nicked up, but he looks he, he like he's all right. I think Fred just got a little dead leg stinger there. Um, so he looks all right. I think for this week, I'm, I'm not very excited. I think Burrow could could tear apart that defense with Jamar Chase and T Higgins outside. The silver lining in all this, Steven, is I'm kind of okay with all of this happening. There was at a point where after the Cowboys game, like obviously we were probably part of that, but there was a, a riding high sensation where, you know, like everything's going great. There's no adversity. Um, there's nothing to overcome, nothing to really challenge the Niners at that point. And now we're at a point where uh, they're facing adversity right in the face. Uh, they're looking at with a loss, they'd be five and three. The the silver lining in all this that I meant to get to is that they're not at a point where there are any long term injuries. So Debo's going to be fine. Brock's going to be fine long term. Um, Trent Williams is going to be fine long term. So I'm at a point where I want everyone to come back when they're fully 100% healthy. Home field obviously is very important in the NFL. So that's getting the highest seed possible is important. But I think if the Niners can run in, get into the playoffs with a fully healthy squad um, and start to peak towards the end of the year, I think that could be very beneficial long-term. Um, I wouldn't mind CMC getting a little less carries. That would be something else that I would bring up on the health front. What, what are your thoughts? Am I being a little too optimistic about this? Usually I'm the, I'm the pessimist in the group. <laughs> well, I think most pundits around the league will tell you the 49ers are still a really good football team. And a lot of that is you look at what happened in the last two weeks where literally everything had to go the Browns way and everything had to go the Vikings way. For them to beat us and in terms of we were in a position to win both those games and that was despite all of our mistakes during the game yeah the, the argument to that though is that good teams win close games and like for cmc to come out of the gate fumble um and then they're never ever they're never really to able to capture the momentum back it seemed like it was an uphill battle the rest of the game couldn't get a stop defense couldn't get any pressure on kurt um that's the thing that really concerns me is the execution. Clean things up, get guys healthy. Um, it's got to be the number one thing. But defensively, I would say I'm most concerned about more so than Brock or the offense. No pressure on the court. I mean, the Niners last since 2019 have been built around getting pressure on the quarterback. And when they're not able to, they obviously don't have quite as much speed in the secondary for some of these guys to, to guard. So um, that's that's the real concern for me right now. Well, I, I would agree with you in terms of defense. Um, the last two weeks defensively have been the ugliest they've looked since probably Jimmy Garoppolo year two, right? Before <laughs> before our Super Bowl run there in, in 2019. And just to illustrate that a little bit, the Niners gave up 452 yards against the Vikings last week against the Browns. And, you know, only gave up 19 points, but 
in that game, we also gave up 334 yards of offense. That's very unlike this 49ers defense. It's and, a PJ Walker and Jerome Ford, too. Yeah. So it's like, okay, where where is the responsibility here? Is this a Steve Wilkes thing? Because this is the only real change, correct? I mean, sure, we lost some pieces like, you know, Omenahu and Ebukam, and we had some better defensive line depth, but the secondary is virtually the same. You still have Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw. You know, he's always been sort of oft injured. So, I mean, of course, that last play of the second half, we'll, we'll talk about that. That that inflates things a little bit. But to me, the defense is, is definitely the biggest panic here, aside from, you know, regular injuries. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 22nd in pressure rate at 27%, 18th in sacks, 26th in sack rate. Like, that's... That's ugly. That's a lot of ugly numbers there. Um, and I want to say that Nick Bosa hasn't been playing well. I know what the PFF grades are on him and how all that grades out, but guy just can't can't get to the quarterback. It's to a point where, like, opening week, we saw Stafford kind of sit back there and pick him apart in that short intermediate game. We've seen Kirk do it. P.J. Walker was feasible against them when they should absolutely dominate. So... Um, the one game where the defense has really played well was Dallas, and I would argue the D-line didn't play that great. It was kind of the Fred Warner and secondary show. So Nick Bosa, only 20 combined tackles this year and only two and a half sacks. And I, I know that that's not defensive line doesn't usually rack up a lot of tackles, but two and a half sacks for a guy that just got paid a lot of money. I mean, this is... I've been pretty outspoken about this, but I just hate holdouts and it screws everybody. And you just, even last year when, when Jimmy was, you know, not even really regarded as our quarterback until late, late, late in the preseason or well, really until Trey got hurt yeah. um, after they failed to trade him, like his training camp phase, we lost a couple games. And it's the same, you know, Nick Bosa. He's he's not his usual self. And and I I I wanna I think there's partially reason for this. So let's talk about Eric Armstead. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> Eric Armstead or lack thereof. He sucks, man. Like I, I'm sorry. I we've given this guy so many breaks over the years. Um, you know, drafted super high, first round pick. I mean, he's the longest tenured Niner at this point, now that uh, Jimmy Ward is gone, uh, he was, you know, a holdover from the the chip days and he is just non-existent. He was half injured, ineffective until Bosa got there. And all of a sudden Armstead breaks out and like, oh, well, he's actually just a late bloomer. Like he's grown into his own. And then we give him a bunch of money. We are like, you know what? Let's just trade DeForest Buckner who, man, I miss him. Uh, because Man. we need, we are so bad on the interior defensive line. And here he goes, Armstead, it kind of shows us like he's still all right, gets hurt again. All right, him and Bosa, such a good combo. And look, where are they this year? I mean, Armstead's nowhere to be found. He's he's half the time on the injury report, half the time you never hear his name called during the damn game. I mean, this is this is bad for a guy that's getting paid. Again, how much money? 12 million bucks. It's it's a big cap hit. 
Um, you look at DeForest Buckner, I think he's at 19 right now for his cap hit. And if you paired uh, Buckner and Hargraves together, Hargraves kind of the pass rushing D tackle and Buckner kind of the run stuffer that, with Bosa. That's a nasty pairing. It would have been nice to keep that together. Um, and it seems kind of like they, they chose wrong between the two interior guys there. I understand, you know, you, you save a little bit of money there and now, okay, fine. You're able to get Javon Hargrave who's been okay. Like I'd like to see him be a little bit better. Yeah. But th- this defensive line isn't getting any pressure. I mean, Kirk Cousins was doing whatever he wanted to during that game. Uh, and you look at Javon Kinlaw, he's a bust. You know, G- Givens is, a, is, you know, whatever. You know, he was a little bit better last year. It feels like we had more depth. So we talked about Armstead. We don't have the Omenahu. Like, you know, the Oren, Oren Burks, all right. Like he's a good like you know b- backer type player, but there's not a lot to be excited for there. If Bosa's not getting to the quarterback, uh, you know Fred Warner can't freaking do everything. You know he's getting blamed for some of these coverages where he's so far off the ball. But like how, again, how much should he be tasked with? I, that's that's the thing. I think our defense. I, I never thought I'd be saying this, but our defense is actually showing quite a few holes. Yeah, a lot of holes. I think, I mean, Randy Gregory looked okay in his limited snaps last week. He's going to get a lot more run the more familiar he gets. But in terms of coverage, like we were texting about this, but there's no more in terms of pass rush, actually. There's no more stunts. There's no more um, over-the-top moves. It's like in terms of pass rush, it's just rush straight. No more uh, stunts to get guys free runs at the quarterback. There's no creativity. Um, it just seems like at this point, the defense is pretty vanilla right now. Yeah. And, you know, Cleland Farrell, he's part of that vanilla piece. Like he's just guy like filling a role, you know, it's, I know it was a reclamation project, but yeah, he's just, he's just there. You know, we don't have, we don't have any dominance. Drake Jackson. Uh, I was hoping to see more from him. I, I really was. And unfortunately he's been virtually non-existent. Um, which yeah. is sad, sad to see. So, uh, yeah, not not good, not good on the defense. Uh, we'll uh, we'll push on a little bit here. I just hope Steve Wilkes gets it together. In terms of history, I'll just throw out a few facts here, courtesy of Alec Bandler, who uh, who texted me that the gloat cast is now a curse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're that talking. Was tough. We're talking undefeated season to to now hoping that we get into a bye without a loss, but uh, the Niners haven't won in Minnesota since 1992. That was Steve Young. Whoa. And I remembered, I was like, really? The NFC, they're an NFC team. I know we don't play them every year, but uh, and I thought back to like when we lost to Brett Favre not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, that was what came to my mind too. And it just seems like we're we're cursed in Minnesota almost. This was this had a weird feel to it because I was already concerned about missing Trent Williams. I I knew that Debo being out, like we've dealt with that before and we've been fine. But I was very concerned without Trent. And thankfully, Jalen Moore actually did okay. But not having Trent Williams in there was was big for us. We couldn't run the ball like we normally do. And it forced Brock to throw a little bit more. 
hence the more chance for interception, whatnot. Uh, we haven't won since 92 in Minnesota, and we haven't won in Cleveland since 1984. What? Joe How many Mon- games have they played? Do you know? Again, I, I, I'd have to look. We don't play in Cleveland very often, especially being an AFC team. But 1984. And aside from that, we've never beaten the Ravens in Baltimore. And we haven't won in Kansas City since 1982. So it's it's That's, weird. Again, yeah. the, the, the AFC teams, like, you know, you, you can sort of justify there's been a lot of bad football between this era of 49ers and this, you know, the, the Steve Young, Jeff Garcia era of 49ers. Uh, so it made me feel a little bit better in that sense. We're kind of cursed there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it just, yeah, I, it's I, not I, good. Yeah. I, I said this before. I, I looked at the schedule and I saw the three home games in a row. And I'm like, oh man, we're going to get way too comfortable. Uh, I don't like that at all. And then they go on the road back-to-back weeks, Cleveland, Minnesota, not easy places to play, different terrain, different weather circumstances. You know, the the game was pretty murky in Cleveland. The game was complete neutral conditions in Minnesota. Those are conditions that we're not used to. And on top of that, you, you talk about home field advantage and I mean – I don't think officiating was an issue with the Vikings game, but I mean, we've already discussed with the Cleveland game, like we got shafted a little bit there. It's uh, It's been an embarrassing two weeks. And I think the reason I'm most upset or most, uh, what's the right word? Worrisome for me, it's, it is the trauma. It's the trauma of, oh my gosh, I feel like we just got boat raced by uh, freaking Russell Wilson in 2014. Or, you know, I, I like that's that's what it felt like against the Vikings. It, I, I felt like we like, wait a minute, this isn't this is this is how we played many, many years ago. This is not the current era of 49. So it just brings back all those memories of us sucking and my like, oh, no, we're so cl-. like it, it just it's a humble reminder of you are so close to just bad football. You are so close to an era where we really did suck. And that's why it was so disappointing for me to watch the, these last two games. Um, of course, I still believe the Niners are a good football team. Of course, I still believe in Brock Purdy. I don't even really blame Brock for this one. I know he made some pretty bad decisions down the stretch, but like, what is he supposed to do? I mean, the defense didn't give do him any favors. The running game wasn't doing him any favors. The guy was still getting out of the pocket. He was still avoiding sacks. He's making plays with his feet. You know, he's dodging the blitz. Brian Flores, the blitz monster. Vikings leading the league in, in blitzes. And I mean, he did fine. Like you look at his numbers at the end of the game, like he was effective. It's just those costly decisions screwed us. So I think that it makes my panic level feel a little bit less. If we just take care of the football. Things are going to be night and day better, but it was definitely the first two times this season where we were vulnerable. It took me back many years. I didn't like that. And it was the first time where I was like, oh, shoot, I don't feel comfortable in this these games. Uh, whereas in the previous five wins, it was 
oh, shoot, I have no issue whatsoever. We're going to come out. Shanahan's going to destroy him. Uh, side note, I'm so happy Moody made that 55-yarder because – I was, I was on his ass like yeah man. i was i was calling for his head after the first one so i mean <laughs> yeah. i i really i still wouldn't mind if they looked into uh some other options during the week get him some competition in there but um as of now moody's i'm still okay with moody being the guy i know that was a, a word splurge there but i i think i i was just trying to channel my anger from monday night i know we're a couple days removed um, and so I'm hoping I was able to articulate some of that. By the way, I was anger for Halloween this year, the dad anger uh, <laughs> from inside out with the mustache. Uh, yeah, it so. was it was well said. It was well said. <laughs> Going into uh, coming coming home, which is huge against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's coming off a bye week. Joe Burrow looks to be finally finding it a little bit. We've beaten him before in Cincinnati. Um, it's just the Bengals are not a bad football team and it's another AFC opponent that we're not used to playing. I know you highlighted a little bit. Jamar is going to be tough to contain. What are your main concerns here against Cincinnati? I think the main one is Jamar chase. Does anyone in the secondary have enough speed to keep up with him? Um, the second part of that equation is, uh, Joe Mixon and T Higgins. I think, uh, honestly, the Vikings were able to run the ball decently. Uh, they didn't really stick with it or need it. I think, I think the biggest thing for me, Steven, is the, the Bengals speed, uh, Jamar chase. I don't, we don't have one guy that can really match up straight against him. So there's going to be a lot of double coverages. Um, can't really stack the box. So then Mixon might have some openings up front. Um, but really, I mean, it's going to be Joe Burrow trying to attack a similar game plan as Kirk Cousins, get it out of his hand fast, get it to his playmakers in space and let them work. So, you know, depending if Trent plays too, I mean, the Bengals have a great pass rush. They uh, they have a decent enough secondary. It's going to be tough sledding. If Brock doesn't play, I'm extremely, extremely nervous, and I would actually predict the Bengals win if Purdy doesn't play. What about you? I know, uh, I know we're both not too low on Darnold, but what are your thoughts on some of these matchups? I actually feel comfortable about Sam Darnold. That's kind of hard saying that, but I feel like for a one game situation, he might be all right. Uh, he's competent enough to get the job done. I, I So I, I'm not really concerned about Sam Darnold per se. I, I am concerned that Trent Williams hasn't practiced this week. I'm glad you brought that up again. And so I'm leaning on the side that he's not going to play uh, and just hopefully rest him up after the bye week. Um, I would expect to see a little bit more Elijah Mitchell and and Jordan Mason here because CMC, man, he's he's getting so much work right now, and I just hope that he is preserved. <laughs> it's crazy, know, didn't yeah. he? So he only missed what two snaps last game? Is that right? Something like that. I mean, it it's unbelievable. Uh, so, yeah, you know, defensively, the the Bengals are good. They're they're Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson, seven sacks already. I mean, you you know, you talked about your defensive end tiers. He's ahead of Bosa. He is at this point in the in this season. For this season, for sure. Yeah. Man, like he is a playmaker. Sam Hubbard, you know, we, we remember him from his uh historic uh coast to coast run last year. He 
He has three sacks. B.J. Hill is an interior defensive tackle. He also has three sacks. We're going to have our hands full. That's for sure. Um, which, you know, maybe Darnold is a little bit more of a liability there than Purdy because I, Purdy's got a little bit more mobility out of the pocket. Um, but it, it's actually Cincinnati's defense that concerns me. I don't think we're going to see freaking Charvarius Ward or whatever jumping to Jordan Addison slash Jamar Chase route to screw us at the end of the half. I mean, that was so fluky. Um, yeah. I, 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 that was, uh, uh, that's, that's what it is. It's game of inches. Um, Just catch it, man. The Niners have a lot of drop picks that have led to a lot of bad things. You got to make play execution, right? I want Matt? better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, and, but I, I will say there's no, they don't have a TJ Hawkinson. And he he really opened up the game for uh, the Vikings. Um, so I, I don't think the the Bengals really have a good. I mean, they have T. Higgins, uh, which is you know he's solid. They have Tyler Boyd, he's solid, but they don't have a playmaking tight end. So that that makes me feel a little bit better. I, I, for whatever reason, those tight ends like the Kelseys of the world and the Hawkinsons. Uh, the Mark Andrews is they they're just really good at finding open space and like zone coverages and kind of uh, ad libbing a little bit. So that's something we won't necessarily have to worry about as much. So you're not super worried about Jamar Chase then? I'm not. I can see him going for 200 yards. Honestly, he, well, he could, he could, but Tyreek went for 200 yards and the Phillies kicked their ass, or the <laughs> the Eagles kicked their ass. I think Tyreek only had like a hundred, but yeah. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like Jamar yeah. could have a Tyreek type of game, but I don't think that's going to beat us. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, you were right about Micah not being like a solo artist and wrecking that game. So I hope you're right about this one too, but I have a bad <laughs> feeling about Jamar Chase. Yep. So that's the bungles for you. Um, Cincinnati in, I think it's in San Francisco. Yeah, though. In, in Santa Clara. Yeah. <laughs> Last point on the Niners-Vikings game. <laughs> the amount of cramps that the Vikings endured. I mean, it was mainly Hawkinson and Addison, but I just thought it was funny because they haven't had to run that much all year. And finally, Hawkinson and Addison, like the offensive game plan required it. Kirk Cousins needed to chuck it the way that he did, and they wanted to play up-tempo. They wanted to get guys and, and get them in open space. You just never see that this deep into the season. The cramping stuff usually happens, you know, when a guy first comes off an injury or if they're in week one of the season or in the preseason, you don't really see it in a neutral environment this deep into the year. So I think that's a testament to how the Niners play and how if you're going to have to beat them, you will have to out shape them in turn, you know, physical shape them. You'll have to beat them in that way. Cause like we've talked about, we don't have a ton of speed in the secondary. And so that was a way that the Vikings were able to expose. Um, so I just thought it was funny. And the reason I bring it up is because last night I had a dream where uh, <laughs> I was watching a game and everybody, everybody, I think it was the Cowboys, everybody on the defense just starts falling because of cramping 
because like that's wild what did they eat before the game they're all cramping in the field what's going on yeah you know what's funny is that i never have dreams about like watching something else it's always something that's in the first person for me so i think Uh, it's fascinating that you can dream about watching sports that's crazy well they're not usually good dreams i mean i dream about ramondre stevenson and every three nights that i made a bad trade and um yeah it's 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 not good but okay yeah. <laughs> yeah that that trade is uh speeding in the wrong direction you know what i mean oh it's always the wide receivers man uh chris <laughs> yeah, Olave, they, love, they love driving fast yeah chris Olave getting arrested uh earlier this week going 35 over the speed limit was cooperative with authorities and appears to be in no danger of missing any time that's really encouraging news if you're the saints um they may have dodged a bullet there so he does drive a Dodge Challenger, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, just it's always the receivers, man. Just yeah, not such good. A, such a safety issue in residential area. Um, hopefully, he learns from this. So let's start with that Thursday night game. That's what started the week off: the Jaguars and the Saints. Foster Moreau dropping a game tying potential push it into overtime touchdown. And the Saints lose by seven. We were going to pop off about Derek Carr. I have to publicly apologize because I was so high on him going into the season. And I thought, you know what? He's going to be in a better offense. He's going to have a better defense, which I think those things are true. Um, But, you know, coach familiarity thought that would help him. It hasn't. And uh, so that's where I apologize. I, I think Carr can still salvage somewhat of a good season. But the, the the NFC South is pretty bad, and he hasn't really changed them. You know, I was semi-surprised when the Saints went after him, only in the sense of, like, was Andy Dalton really that bad? You know, they were still competitive with him. And, I look, let's stop calling for Jameis Winston. Winston is not good. Jameis Winston, every time he goes, it's like one attempt, one pick. Like, don't. Don't I, I don't want to go there. Like Derek Carr has been giving his team a chance to win, but it's just it's dink and dunk. It's an airmail receivers just to throw it away. He did that with the Raiders. It would be like third and long or fourth down, and he would just, you know, throw the ball away. I think the potential that we once saw in Derek Carr, right? Earlier in his career, he made like a nice little increase. He's looking like a really good quarterback, right? The top 10 type quarterback the Raiders go to the playoffs and you know since Gruden left really since 2018 or so he's been on a decline and it's it's sad to see but he's just a very limited quarterback and I unfortunately we're seeing that right now yeah I appreciate the public apology um it's uh I mean it's everything that I kind of expected to be honest with you the one thing that I didn't expect that's sad to see um as a i mean i'm i'm honestly a Derek Carr fan it just sucks to see him getting this much worse but yeah um he's throwing the ball what eight yards six yards out of bounds and then screaming at his receivers it's psychotic behavior really well i i I don't want to go that far because i i can understand frustration and who knows if the receivers aren't running the right routes or they're not hearing the audibles or I don't want to go that. I don't want to speculate on that. 
but but you see it often with him where he just throws it away of like ah oh, it's nothing's there like i'm just gonna chuck it it's crazy um i i've just never seen him yell at that like he was screaming the whole night it seemed like at different people oc that who knows like um but yeah i think the saints i mean they still got a chance in that division um so there's time to turn it around i guess but the red zone offense is abysmal all his only production is basically alvin Kamara dump offs uh and a couple chris olave uh, like back shoulder fades for touchdowns earlier in the year but i mean it's uh it's bad it's not good so they're three and four now we'll talk a little bit more about the nfc south um just to wrap up the car discussion for now um yep he's averaging 228 yards a game it's fine um, six touchdowns, four picks. It's not great. Um, he's been sacked 18 times, which isn't good. Uh, but just an 82.8 quarterback rating, just very, very middling, very mediocre. Um, so it's it's sad to see. Um, hopefully, no he, bueno. Yeah, hopefully he salvages the season a little bit. The Jaguars looked a lot better. Jaguars kind of came out guns blazing that first half. Took their foot off the gas, but the Jaguars are doing what we expected them to do. Um, they're not necessarily winning pretty, but they're five and two, and they're first in the AFC South as expected. Trevor Lawrence uh, hasn't made the jump that we were hoping to see, but he's effective enough. Um, eight to three touchdown to pick ratio, and a ninety-two point eight quarterback rating. So, um, you know, I expect the Jaguars uh, to actually give us some issues here in uh, in two weeks. Um, we'll be going into Jacksonville, the 49ers, that is. Uh, so that will be a tough matchup for us. Yeah, ja- ditto. Honestly, I don't have too much to add on the Jags. They're going to be a tough tough out for anyone they play, especially going down to Jacksonville. Yeah. All right. That Sunday night game was the other primetime game. We'll just knock out all the primetime games. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The Dolphins going against the Eagles, potential Super Bowl preview there. I don't think anybody was surprised here. I know the spread was close in favor of the Eagles, but anybody who knows anything about football, Miami was five and 24 against teams they've beaten this year. They haven't really beaten anybody good. They're a good football team. You know, you beat who you're supposed to beat, but the Philadelphia Eagles did exactly what you would expect them to do. They slowed the game down. They ran the ball effectively. They took advantage of a porous Miami defense and uh, this, they legitimately slowed the game down. And that's how you beat Miami. Because anytime you give Tua an extra possession, that means Tyree Kill is getting loose. And so uh, the Eagles kind of beat them up pretty bad. Uh, I didn't expect it to be a two-touchdown blowout. But I did expect the Eagles to take care of them handedly. And that's what happened. Yeah, it uh, it kind of reminded me of like a one-way street. You got like a snowplow on one side and then a Ferrari on the other, and they're kind of <laughs> going head on. Um, but I do think that the Dolphin, the, the game was a lot closer than what the score ended up indicating. It was, yes. Yeah, Tyreek dropped, dropped at least one touchdown and then possibly another um, in the red zone. So, I mean, if those plays hit, um, and I really think that the Eagles are like, a snowball where if they get going and they're ahead, it's going to be really, really hard to catch up with them with that pass rush and that run game that they have. Um, for the most part, Jalen hurts doesn't really turn it over. Um, so 
I, I think that plays really well for Philly. Um, but I do think that Miami might be getting hated on a little bit too much. They, they played pretty well. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's this is nothing against Miami. I think this was a very good reminder of how good the Eagles are because people were skeptical of them for most of the season, even though they're still winning football games, right? Um, I I thought it was funny, your snowplow analogy. I mean, they're getting so much notoriety for the tush push, which is just snowplowing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like... We don't have to get into it too much, but they're unstoppable at it and not a lot of teams can replicate it. So it's uh it's a pretty cool play to see. I mean, Sirianni said after the game, it was it, this quote reminded me of Bryson DeChambeau at the Masters a couple of years ago when he said it was like a par 68. Sirianni basically said that they're playing like third and nine all game because they know <laughs> that if they get to want to, to fourth, third or fourth and one, they just have an automatic first down. It was kind of one of those quotes that you might, end up eating your words a little bit towards the end of the year. So that, that was interesting. He came out hot in his press conference after the game. Um, I wouldn't, if I was an Eagles fan, I wouldn't be super happy about my coach talking that much, but uh, those are my takeaways from the game. Uh, A lot of bulletin board material for teams going against Philly. I can't stand Sirianni. Uh, There's a few coaches. There's a few coaches. I just can't stand. He's up there. I will push back slightly. You say Jalen Hurts doesn't really turn the ball over for the most part. Um, I think that's incorrect. Um, he's thrown eight picks this year, and he's he's lost a fumble. So that's that's not good. Uh, I think that's part of the reason why people have been down on Philly. We've talked about Hurts's regression as a quarterback, and uh, he has regressed. He's he's not nearly as effective as a passer and as a rusher, as he was last year. I mean, his average yards per carry is almost down a whole point. Um, He's not efficient through the air as he was last year. However, he's still a threat to run every single play. He's still a threat to throw every single play. Teams have to account for that. And uh, he's going to be a threat, even though he hasn't been as sharp this year. Yeah, I agree, Steven. I think, um, I'm looking back at last year. I'm also trying to pull up stats for uh, when, like when he threw these picks. I think a lot of a lot of the turnovers are when they're either playing catch up or uh, early in the game. So I'd have to do some more research on that. But yeah, I mean, how many is that? 10, 10 turnovers so far this year isn't great. Yeah, it's hard to justify that, even if they're in non-critical situations. Yeah, I mean, it's just so much where it's like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter exactly when it is. Like if you're turning over that much, it it overrules what you've done in years past. Yeah. Uh, moving on a little bit, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers just keep grinding out wins. I mean, I, I think they got a huge help from a, a bad, bad ball spot at the end of that game against the Rams. But that was bad. But. McVeigh had no timeouts and he couldn't challenge it. And so you, you go back to coaching on the other side. Sorry, man, that didn't work out for you. It was not in the under the two minute warning. So they got screwed and a huge road win for the Steelers. Uh, so happy Najee found the end zone. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness. I, I let out a big Najee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, you're gonna keep hitting these over wins on the Steelers every year when we do our preseason previews um the one thing I will say on kind of a side note but we had touched on it is I don't understand why teams don't take the five-yard delay of game penalties more often I value a timeout a whole lot more than five yards in the second or in the third quarter 
You know what I mean? Well, it, it happened. It, yeah. Yeah. It happened with Shanahan. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes it, back yeah. to bite you. I would say 75% of the time. I mean, if it's like a third and one, obviously it's probably worth it. But if it's, you know, a second down and eight, I would say just take the five yards and play for a three down situation. But I'd be really interested to dive into the analytics of that. Obviously, we don't have that sort of data available at our hands, but I, I just can't imagine timeouts being more valuable than five yards. Especially if you trust your defense. And, and I think that that really screwed us towards the end. I mean, that extra timeout would have enabled us to get our act together down the stretch and maybe not have to throw a rash pick. Um, yep. So, you know, that, that did cost us. And when we, we got what Purdy got sacked the, the next play after that, we had to take that timeout and we're, we're like third and 18 anyway. So, Didn't matter anyway. Yeah. 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 And, and we haven't talked about this on air yet either, but the, the, why don't more teams spike? And I'm, I'm happy Purdy did it at the end of that game there, but like they want, it's almost like teams want to just get so many plays off in the two minute drill and they're afraid to spike. And usually what happens is after like the second play, the guys are so tired from sprinting up the field and they can't even get set. And so the quarterback throws the ball away anyway, and they've wasted eight more seconds than if they just like just clocked it. Um, yeah, I so. think the, I think the estimation on that is because the analytics say that you want to run as many plays off as possible. And like theoretically, if you run five plays versus four plays at, you know, uh eight yards a piece you're going to be closer to the end zone than if you didn't but that doesn't factor into uh into guys being so tired that they can't even run a play right and look at this we have our special guest mark the auditor nathlich has returned to the joe random sports podcast welcome back mark hey guys how we doing today thanks for having me doing all right this is good timing mark i have to jump here in like five minutes but i'm glad we get to catch up for a second perfect Perfect. What are we talking about? Yeah, so we're just clock running management through. right now. <laughs> yeah, clock management. That's your favorite thing to talk about, Mark. Right? Um, we uh, we're just running through the rest of the NFL this week. Um, so we'll pick up with the Packers here, Mister JT, losing to the Broncos. Okay, now the, I I don't think we can we can make more excuses here. The Packers are actually a bad football team. Uh, losing to the Raiders and the Broncos in back-to-back weeks. I don't care if it's on the road. These are bottom barrel, actual bad football teams. Uh, Love hasn't looked good. Uh, I, th- th- you can't hide that either. Uh, there's You can't make excuses because, oh, he's four years in now, just about. So it's 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 no more. Oh well, he's just learning, and and sure, there's a you know there's a little bit of a learning curve once you finally get the starting role, but. The Packers had that game in their hands, and they just straight up coughed it up against Denver. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, tough. It's embarrassing, honestly. It's it's really bad. the uh, the lack of the lack of anything special out of Jordan Love. He's a game manager who turns the ball over, and that's that's a tough combination. Like you can't win football games like that. Trubisky. Yeah, that's a great comp. Honestly, pretty athletic, good arm. Um, just another guy, Steven, that just doesn't see the field. I mean, I, I just, uh, I coming into the season had no hopes on Jordan love. Obviously there's someone in the, in the group chat that thinks he's the next great thing. And as a Packers fan, it's what you expect, right? Just great quarterback play. 
uh, for a 15 year period. Um, coming out, I mean, we, we all knew he, he was going to be pretty inaccurate. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think he's had, uh, I don't think he has weapons, in my opinion, uh, to see what his true potential is. I think, uh, obviously, Watson was banged up for parts of the year. I don't think Romeo Dobbs is anything special. Um, I think, I mean, as a Niners fan, if he was in the Niners system, I think he would look pretty decent, to be honest. I just think, uh, to Matt's point, Packers have nothing special going on. Their offensive line is pretty weak. Weapons are weak. The defense isn't anything special outside of a good cornerback. Um, so overall, I, I think that that fan base is is due for a few years of uh, bad football, and hopefully they can do well in drafts uh, as as they move on, as they usually do. They usually do draft pretty well, but um, but yeah, n- nothing uh, nothing positive to talk about the Packers right now. Is is this a Lafleur problem? I mean, uh, that certain guy in our group chat is calling for his head. Is it is it Lafleur's problem, or is just is it Gutenkunst? I mean, he he's put together historically decent teams. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I think I've said this before. I think coaches get too much blame and too much praise. At the end of the day, I think a, a coach is dependent on a good quarterback. Uh, more times than not, obviously, there's a few exceptions, um, like Tannehill in in uh, in Tennessee. They he's not a great quarterback, but they still somehow end up winning uh, more times than not. Um, but I think LaFleur is fine. I would say he's a middling head coach. Um, his historical record is very strong, but obviously a lot of that is on the back of, uh, Rogers at the home. Um, so I, I don't think it's a LaFleur problem. I think it's a personnel issue, uh, there with the Packers. Um, and it's just going to, it's going to be a few years of growing pains. And obviously they have a strong fan base where whether they're home or on the road, uh, a lot of times they have a good amount of support, uh, and I think that is beneficial, uh, especially if they start to become more of a young team. And in my opinion, they could very well be one and five or zero and six uh, versus uh, the other way around. Well, yeah, and, and to be fair, they they probably also could have beaten the Raiders and Broncos. But the the, the bottom line is they're they're not a good football team. Uh, and so, speaking of the Raiders. This may have been the worst loss of Josh McDaniel's career. Um, and I and I say that because you lost to a D2 undrafted free agent. Like this is a great story for Tyler Bajan and all, but that's an embarrassment. And you got blown out. I mean, this is I know you're on the road, but this is the Chicago Bears. We know what the Bears are. We always knew what the Bears were. I mean, come on. I Josh McDaniels ain't making it through the season. Even the the three wins that he has are just hideous wins. I have I was I was gonna be shocked. The Raiders look four and three. I'm like, this is gonna be the jokiest four and three I've ever seen. Flukiest four and three I've ever seen. They're they are also a bad football team. Yeah, I, I mean, you say we, we know who the Bears are. I think we know who the Raiders are. They're they're equally as bad of a football team. I I, I don't remember what the over under was at the start of the year. I'm guessing it was maybe six and a half, six and a half or uh, so, yeah. somewhere in that range. I would have smashed the under there. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, very similar uh, to the Packers. I just don't think they have many playmakers 
well, I guess you have Devontae Adams. I think Jacoby Myers is a fine, um, f- fine weapon to have. Josh Jacobs has been a little bit underperforming, but at the end of the day, in the trenches, the O-line is awful. Uh, the defense is horrendous outside of Max uh, Crosby, who makes a few big plays and, and keeps him in the games. But overall, I mean, I, I think Josh McDaniels is a bottom three or four coach in the league. I don't think the team backs him, and I think it's it's evident with the post-game pressers. Uh, you could just sound, you can hear the sounds of defeat and just frustration uh, in, in that locker room. Um, so I, I don't think Raiders have much going for them at all. And to be fair, I don't know if any head coach would be able to to right the ship here. I think it's it's a team that I don't care who you put uh, calling the plays. I don't care who you put at the helm uh, with, with the weapons that they have. I think they'd be a um, bottom four or five team in football. Obviously, the three and four record is a lot better than I thought they would be. But to your point, a lot of grimy wins uh, and nothing too much to be excited about there in, in Las Vegas. And they they won a few grimy games under Gruden and, and Basaccia. Um, you know, so this is the NFL. You you need to be able to win those games. And Mark, we were talking about earlier, the Niners definitely need to be able to do that um, down the stretch here. But um you know, Jimmy, Jimmy is a bridge quarterback and he hasn't really been healthy this year. Surprise, surprise. Uh, we know that all too well. I believe he's going to be back in action this week. Hopefully that gives the Raiders a little bit better chance to just not embarrass themselves, but you're right. McDaniels has no buy-in from the guys. There's no rallying from the team and for an offensive coach to be pretty much averaging 17 points a game. I don't know the exact number, but it's pretty much bismal it's just so oh it's it's sad to see yeah this week though at the lions i don't think they have much of a shot i think this is a blowout early um and i mean you look at their schedule obviously they're in a tough division they've had i would call it two tough games but they've also played the broncos i don't view the steelers as a good team steelers they're a grimy team they they grind it out and they're fine whatever they have good defense yeah, yeah, strong defense for sure. But then you have Packers, Patriots, Bears. Uh, after the Lions, you get you got the Giants and Jets, uh, two teams that I don't think are great. Where Raiders have had a very easy start yeah. to the schedule, and then you you turn the page and you go Dolphins, Chiefs, Vikings, Chargers, Chiefs, <laughs> Colts, and in that stretch, and and we're talking about a team that I still think even a three and four record is going to be under that six and a half yeah. uh, win total by the end of the year. And very, very likely uh, to have uh, Josh McDaniels out, out of there beforehand. Yeah, I, I agree there. Uh, moving down a little bit more, Falcons-Bucks game. Uh, it was, you know, you got two teams in a division where, to me, it's like, who wants it less? Like, it's a, it's an inconsistent quarterback play on, on for really the entire division. Um, you, you can't count on Baker. You can't count on Bryce Young. You can't count on Desmond Ritter, turnover machine, and uh, you certainly can't count on Derek Carr right now. So it's going to be an ugly division like we've seen in, the, in years past. Maybe a seven or eight win team wins a division. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the Falcons had a lot of hype coming in. And uh, unfortunately, Bijan hasn't really broken out. Desmond Ritter hasn't really progressed, um, you know, 
they're going to be in a lot of games. The Bucks will probably be in a lot of games. They have a half decent defense, but Baker's too inconsistent, and his true colors are finally showing. Yeah, no, no, I agree there. I, I mean, if you were to ask me to rank those four quarterbacks, I, it's it's pretty hard because you're you're picking between shit and shit. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I think Baker is the best quarterback in that division. Um, I do think the Bucks have a pretty decent defense that can keep them into games, very similar to the Falcons, uh, to be honest. And it's just can the offense not turn the ball over and put up points at the end of the day? Um, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a battle between those two teams. I do see Falcons maybe separating themselves a little bit uh, down, down the stretch. I do think Arthur Smith knows how to win football games. Uh, they, they play hard-nosed football. Um, and I do think Bijan is going to get more opportunities. It seems like they're starting to work in Kyle Pitts a little bit more, Drake London a little bit more. Uh, so I do see this offense being a little bit more um, potent as the season goes on. But yeah, this this whole division is just awful football. If, if you like, you know, three and outs and, and uh, followed by a three and out, then it's a great division for you. The Colts gave the Browns a show. That was a, a tough way to lose a football game. Uh, it appears that Gardner Minshew is pretty good, or at least good enough. Um, and that's another division where, yeah, the Jags are top of the, the, the line there, but, you know, you got the Colts and the Titans, and they're, they're, that's, eh, they're all sort of the same from there on and out. I think uh, Colts will, you know, fight. They'll, they'll keep you in game. They'll, they'll be in a lot of games. Uh, but what do you make of the Browns? Uh, they're four and two. They have an elite defense, but yet they gave up 38 points to the Colts. Um, I feel like they're a different team in, in neutral conditions. I, I just, it's so hard to make of them right now. Uh, you, you know, you, you get into a, a rainy, stormy game and they neutralize what we have thought is the best team in the NFL. And then you go into a turf situation, which is out of their, their climate zone. And they're on the same level as the Colts, who are an average at best football team. So what do you make of the Browns here? Yeah, I mean, Browns are a team. They've played a lot of home games so far, and I do think they have a strong uh, home field advantage. I think them and, and the Lions are the two teams where that those fan bases were down in the dumps for so long that <laughs> once you see a glimmer of hope, they're, they're as rowdy as it gets. Um I, I do think, and I was frustrated this last weekend that they've gotten a few beneficial calls down the stretch. I do think it is a team that should be two and four, and we'd be looking at them in a completely different light. Um, I do think they have a top three defense, maybe at when they're home though, I would put them top two, not number two there. I think their D line is that good. I think their secondary is that good. Um, it's pretty crazy. They put up as many points as they did last week without, I think, I believe PJ Walker didn't even throw a touchdown. It's like, how often does a team yeah. score 37 points or whatever it was and yeah, 39, uh, yeah. not have any touchdowns thrown the week before against the Niners, no touchdowns thrown. So I don't think PJ Walker's the play. I don't think the Sean Watson's the play either though. So I, I do think this is a team that their defense will keep them in games. Um, but I, I think, when they're on the road or in uh, playing better, better teams on the road, I do think uh, they will start putting some L's on the board. Um, and especially in, in division games, I do think 
they are the worst team in that division in my eyes. Them and the Steelers kind of rival each other, both strong defenses, pretty weak offenses. Yeah. Um, it's a good division. I mean, the all four of those teams are in the playoff conversation. So it, it is a tougher division there. Um, I, I, I don't think Deshaun Watson really helps their case. I think they're a worse team when Deshaun Watson's on the field. We don't have to get into that. Um, I just, Deshaun just is awful um, all around. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's another story. But okay, so in that division, the Ravens made a huge statement. You brought up the Lions a second ago. They smashed the Lions. It was that was a statement victory. Um, it's finally Lamar doing what you paid him to do, and I'm happy that he finally had his coming out party. I mean, it's it just goes to show that he is just so dynamic, and that's that's why the Ravens have been so good with him uh, since he's been on that team. Uh, the Lions were, uh, well, in, in your opinion, does this make you feel any different about the Lions? Uh, obviously, it was a blowout loss on the road against a good football team. Uh, but did this change your opinion about Jared Goff and the rest of those guys? No, no, it doesn't. Um, I think uh, Lions are a very, very strong football team. Um, I don't think the score is really indicative of what type of team they are. I think they got punched in the mouth early and it was basically a knockout blow. I think the Ravens came out, scored four touchdowns right off the bat, and then it was game over. Um, I, I do think Jared Goff is a quarterback historically that does play better in a comfortable position at home versus on the road. I think that was evidenced last year. And I do think if the, if the Lions are in a road playoff game, it is going to be a lot more difficult uh, for them to come out on top. But I do think Lions have a really strong uh, set of offensive weapons. They have maybe the best offensive coordinator in football, as well as one of the best uh, run-stopping defenses in particular. Um, I, I, if I'm a Lions fan, I'm not too concerned about this loss. I think you just kind of write it off and move on. Um, I, I view it pretty similarly to, uh, I think it was week seven last year, uh, Niners at Chiefs. Uh, where Chiefs absolutely just demolished the Niners. And then we all know what happened after that. Uh, Niners offense got clicking, the defense got clicking, and you, you went out from there. Um, so overall, uh, I'm not too concerned as a Lions fan. And I, I think speaking to the Ravens, uh, they they were underwhelming to begin the year. I think there was a lot of hype going into the season with their weapons and, and Todd Monken coming in and kind of like letting Lamar Jackson cook a little bit more. Um, I do think that he had reins on him a little too much the first few weeks being a pocket passer. Um, and finally they, they let him run and that's where the Ravens offense can really uh, demoralize a defense uh, when, when he starts moving and, and the, the defense has to focus on him as well yeah. as all the weapons they have. Yeah. Lamar played a near perfect football game. Um, 95 QBR, 155.8 quarterback rating. It was really impressive Perfect. to watch. Yeah, it's uh, he wasn't near that at all his previous few games, but it does get a little bit easier for the Ravens now. Uh, you got a you got Arizona this week, and then Seattle, uh, a couple divisional matchups, and then the Chargers and Rams. So, you know the the Ravens have it look, looking pretty good right now. Uh, that's a good comparison with the Lions and the Niners from last year losing against the Chiefs, that blowout game. 
Uh, I agree. Dan Campbell agrees with you that it was a humbling loss. I'm sure they will learn a lot from this one. Uh, the Chargers don't look very good at all. Uh, 31st ranked defense uh, going into that matchup. Herbert's not getting it done late in games. They've got a, the, you know, and then Matt and I have, have harped on this. New offensive coordinator. That is always going to, it doesn't matter if he's good. Uh, doesn't matter if he's bad. When you have a new offensive coordinator, there's going to be adjustment. And uh, yeah, it's just not pretty football. They had names on their defense. Names, that's about it. Uh, they've kind of botched one of them in J.C. Jackson. Uh, Joey Bosa's never on the field. Uh, you know, you've got Khalil Max like the one bright spot. But as a whole, uh, Brand Staley seems to be uh, on the hot seat right now. And I think uh, the surprise with this game was the Chiefs have a top 10 defense. That's scary. Uh, There's been some knock on their offense this year. You don't have a true number two next to Travis Kelsey, whereas last year, you know, Juju and and, uh, McCole Hardman and Tony were somewhat of a good supporting cast. But this year, it's really Kelsey and a bunch of crap. And so uh, there was a little bit of uh, debate there of will they – Will they uh, be able to maintain it? But really, that doesn't matter because their defense has been showing that they're actually really good. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, Chargers are a team where if they could, you know, execute in the fourth quarter, they would very easily be five and one right now. I think they, you know, barely lost week one to the Dolphins in that shootout. And then you played uh, Tennessee in a game you you should have won. You should have beat the Titans pretty easily. Um I forget what their third loss was before the Chiefs. But yeah, I think uh, th- this one is on the head of, of Staley. I think his clock management is poor. I think his play calling is a little bit poor. I had high hopes for the Chargers with the addition of Kellen Moore, more or less unlocking Justin Herbert. I view Justin Herbert in a very positive light, although the stats are stacking up. And I think Matt, big Herbert fan would, would agree just the amount of interceptions and mistakes that he makes down the stretch is inexcusable. And that's not on the coach that that's on the player. He's aggressive, uh, but a little bit too aggressive in my opinion. Yeah. Defensively, nothing too much going on there outside of didn't they have like a guy that got six sacks on the Raiders? Was that Mac or am I, am I misremembering? Yeah. Khalil, Khalil had a, had a career day. Yeah, just and and like took over that game. Um, but overall, I think, uh, yeah, uh, similar to um, to McDaniels, I do think Staley is going to be on the hot seat here pretty soon if they don't right the ship. Um, and yeah, I mean, Chargers, uh, other than the Chiefs are in a pretty easy division, I would say the Broncos and Raiders are two bottom dwellers where I do expect them to pack on some wins as the season goes on. I mean, you, you play the bears and jets here in the next couple of weeks. So they very easily can be 500 at that point. Uh, you still have the Packers Patriots Broncos twice and Raiders once more the rest of the season. So I do think this is a team that still might get a wild card. I think chiefs are the best team in football. Um, you have the best player in football coupled with one of the best defensive players in football in Chris Jones, um, making that defense a top 10 defense to your point. Uh, I think when you have the best quarterback and one of the best defenses, it's a recipe for success. 
and the Chiefs have been that recipe over the last five, six years. So overall, I think Chiefs are humming along as usual. I think it is hinged on Kelsey staying healthy, though. Um, it does seem like he's getting banged up a little bit more. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll see. As long as Chiefs are healthy, I think they're the team to beat in football. Uh, kind of close to wrapping up here. Um, Giants finally got one against Washington. Um, just both teams underwhelming this year, as expected. Um, pretty ugly football. Uh, Seattle with a cheap win over hopeless Arizona, but yet, you know, Seattle is are now we're now having to have to talk about them because as a, as a Niner contingency, you know, you've got the Browns at home. There's a good shot Seattle goes five and two here. And so we're we're starting to have to look behind our back, which I don't like. I don't think Seattle is five and two good, but here they are. They're winning games, and unfortunately, they're probably going to be a thorn in our side. Um, so, anything to say on that one? Yeah, I'm. I'm I think it's going to come down to how the two games uh, in late November and early December are. I think if Niners go two and zero, there shouldn't be an issue. If you split it, then it starts getting a little. Harry, I do think Niners, assuming Purdy comes back and weapons start coming back and Trent Williams is healthy, I do think Niners handle business. Um, I think Sa- Seattle, they they beat the Lions, which that was one impressive win. But other than that, they haven't beat anyone noteworthy. I mean, you beat the worst team in football and the Panthers, second worst team in football, or I don't know. I, I don't know how you stack these up, but the Giants are down there. The Cardinals are down there. Gino hasn't looked great this year, in my opinion. Definitely, uh, definitely not in line with what he was doing last year. Um, they haven't factored in uh, JSN as much as I thought they would have. I was a little worried about their three-headed monster at the receiving core, uh, but seems like none not of them deal. are performing at this point. No. Um, so overall, I do think. Uh, it's going to come down to how the Niners fare in those games. And if Niners can handle the business, then uh, I think they'll be fine. I mean, looking at Seattle's schedule, they do play the Niners, Cowboys, and Eagles in a four-week span. That is, that's what their season's going to come down to. I think if Seattle goes two and two there, then we might have some worries um, potentially, especially yeah. if one of those wins come again against the Niners. But I that's expect a good them point. to go one and three or potentially 0-4, to be honest. That would that would be ideal. Uh, crazy, but apparently Jason Peters, the 41-year-old storied offensive lineman, uh, might be making his debut as Seattle this Sunday, um, which is nuts. <laughs> Former tackle might play some guard. Uh, it's almost like the Justin Pugh off the couch for the Giants. It's, yeah, never really want to do that. Um, I, I guess the last two things, Mark, um, this is, I know we don't really talk about betting and too much on this show, but if you were to bet the Texans at the Panthers this week, does Bryce Young get his first career win at quarterback for the Panthers or do the Texans go four and three? Which one is more unlikely? <laughs> uh, I, well, I, I think, uh, I think Texans will, will handle business that are, I, I think uh, D'Amico will, will, uh, make sure they win that game. And I do think Stroud has been quite impressive this year. Um, defense has been good there. Yeah, I think Panthers are just just horrible. I mean, anytime you're relying on Thielen as your number one offensive weapon, it 
that's not a recipe for success. He's been um, good though. I mean, does... he's he no, he's he's been very serviceable. He's been a PPR guy. Um, but at the end of the day, he's kind of like a he gets the job done, but it's nothing special. He's not breaking away plays, and right. that's that's what the Panthers need is the is the guy that can break things open with speed or whatever. Just a house call. Panthers have not a single person on that team that can that can do a house call. I mean, uh, Miles Sanders is bad. Um, you got Chuba Hubbard. He's fine, uh, but nothing special back there. So I think uh, I do think the the Texans will, will handle business for sure. Yeah. Um, even on the road. Tough when you draft Miles Sanders, your RB two in fantasy. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, no, I, I'll, I'll leave you on that one, Mark. Miles Sanders wasn't my, uh, okay. wasn't my RB two. I, I had, uh, <laughs> I had Chubb and uh, Kenneth Walker. Give, yeah. give me a little bit more credit there. That's good. Yeah. And I, James Connor, I think James Connor is a serviceable, that's a good three running backs, but fair uh, enough. Uh, I, I got to close it out here. Um, just real quick on a scale of one to 10, where is your panic level for the 49ers? 10 being red alert. Yeah. If I had to answer today, which is the day after the Brock, purdy concussion news i would say about a seven uh if you asked me before that news i would say about a three or a four um i do think i mean both games they they lost they were in both were on the road and in the in the nfl anything could happen and those are two of the best uh home field advantage teams that are out there i think they pump in noise to the dome and then the the uh, Browns fans are pretty rowdy for sure. I think Purdy going down, potentially being five and three going into the bye week is a little bit concerning. I was feeling on top of the world uh, after beating the Cowboys. Um, I thought we were uh, unstoppable. Uh, no way we can get beat. But then obviously the last two weeks, our defense has been a little bit exposed. I think that's what it's going to come down to is can they tighten the screws on the defense? Can they mix things up? Um, it seems like there's talks between Wilkes and, and Shanahan. So it seems like change may be coming. I was feeling pretty down in the dumps last year, going back to the Chiefs Niners game in week seven, except last year Niners were three and four at this time versus five and two. Um, and we saw what they did. Uh, the defense changed after that big loss and i do see some change happening now and it's just going to come down to can nick bosa get back to being nick bosa and then it's going to come down to health can can, uh can niners get healthy and stay healthy um but yeah i'm I'm really hoping they they squeak out a win here i'm very nervous uh with with darnold at the helm um but yeah we'll see i'm expecting mentally five and three going into the uh into the bye week um, and then uh, hopefully they come out of bye week healthy. And if they're healthy, I'll take them against anyone. Um, but yeah, pr- pretty uh, pretty bad last couple of weeks uh, for sure. Tough losses coupled with uh, injuries. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, thanks, Mark, for closing this out. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Joe Random Sports Podcast. Great to have you, and uh, we'll see you all next time.